0: So, today we are going to be considering together sin, the sins of racism and prejudice and bigotry, ethnocentrism, in all of its forms. We want to talk about the problem. We also want to talk about the promise and the plan that we have as we consider this text from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 5. I want to start with three stories. The first story comes from the 1800s. There was a teenager, a 19-year-old young man named Sherlock Bristol. He was a student at Phillips Academy. Sherlock Bristol was a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a firm abolitionist. Uh, And as a young man, he was uh, excited about this cause and very active. Uh, at one time in in the town of Andover, there was a special guest speaker who was traveling around. He was from England, and he was going to be making uh, giving an abolitionist speech at the Methodist Church, which used to stand at the corner of Main and Morton Street, just down the road from where I'm where I am today. And there was a, a railroad industry leader who was very much in favor of slavery, slavery and did not want to see this event happen. So. Uh, what he did was he hired some railroad workers, some tough guys, to go and to send him to this this speech and to rough this guy up and chase him out of town. Word got out that this was going to happen. In Sherlock, Bristol got 50 of his classmates from Phillips Academy, and they took clubs in their hands, clubs made of hickory, and they went to this speech to protect the speaker, and they lined up in the front of the church with their clubs in hand, and the speech uh, went on, and sure enough, when it finished, these uh, these goons from the, the railroad guys came uh, to cause trouble, and these students stood firm, and they helped the guest speaker leave that place, and it backed down the mob and they got him to where he was staying but the mob didn't go away and they were still causing trouble so sherlock bristol went back to campus and he got the entire student body together to come and they uh, came down to the place where this man was staying and they chased away the crowd and and everybody was safe but Sherlock Bristol was then accused uh, by the school of inciting a riot, and he was expelled from the school because he was the ringleader of this event, and he had to go home to Connecticut. Fast forward many years, 14 years later, Sherlock Bristol continued his education, he became a pastor, and then he was called to come back to the town of Andover to pastor the Free Christian Church. And one Sunday, he's preaching a sermon, and he sees out in the congregation the principal from Phillips Academy, the one who had expelled him from school. And after the service, he came up and said, Sherlock, it's great to see you, and it's great to hear you preaching. And they had come to a mutual understanding, and it was sort of a happy ending to a really messy story. And time, uh, messy time in the history of our town and in our country. The second story I want to share is another messy story. It's, it's the story of another pastor, a man named Alan Bradford, who was the pastor of, of this church for a number of years. And it was during the Civil Rights Movement. And uh, Pastor Bradford was very active in the Civil Rights Movement. He would drive down to Washington, D.C. to get on the, the freedom buses. He was a freedom rider, and he would go into the South and, and, and demonstrate and in and protest. And he was very active in these things. But rather than it leading to a mutual understanding in the congregation, it actually led to a lot of division. A lot of the congregation was confused about his political views, particularly around the Vietnam War. Uh, Pastor Bradford was very uh, adamant against the Vietnam War, but many people in the congregation had family members, sons uh, who were in Vietnam serving. And and we're confused by all these things. And uh, again, years go by and it leads to great division and a real decline in the life of this church. And it didn't have a a happy ending. In fact, the church was in a season where it almost closed down. The third story I want to share is a story from the 2000s. And it's our story. And it's a story that's not written yet. It's a story that we get to enter into it's, and it may be a messy story like these others. We celebrate the great steps that were taken in the 1800s. We celebrate the good progress that was made in the 1900s. But now in the 2000s, we see systemic issues. We see residual issues of the slavery of the past, of segregation of the past. And we see that the world that we live in, the good work that was done, didn't just shake out inequality for all people in terms of opportunity, in terms of justice, in terms of true equality. And today people are calling for change and continue to call for reform in our world, as they should and as we should. But here's the problem. The problem is sin. And sins like racism and prejudice and bigotry and ethnocentrism, these sins are like a virus. And when one person gets cured of it, another person catches it. And these things continue. And sometimes the symptoms of this sin is is very noticeable. It's very symptomatic. We see things like violence and hatred, and it is clear. But sometimes people are asymptomatic that they carry these things in them and they, they don't even realize their symptoms. They're they not aware. They may be oblivious to the fact that these things have infected their own heart. The, the problem is, is that these sins, all, all these things are sins of the human heart. And sin of the human heart, we know, separates people from God, but it also separates people from one another. And we should be reforming our world and we calling for for more just systems and more just laws. But any law or system cannot fix a sinful human heart. Only God can heal a human heart. Only God can take a sinful heart, a heart of stone, and make it into a heart of flesh. Only because Jesus died and paid for our sins can we truly be forgiven and transformed and be made new. And that's good news because God has provided for us and he has entrusted us this message of Jesus Christ whereby we can be forgiven of our sins where we can be made new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 which just follows uh, the reading that we've, we from this morning says therefore if anyone is in Christ The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, The good news is that God has reconciled us to himself and he's called us to be agents of that reconciliation that other people might know that they can be reconciled to God and reconciled and unified to other people as well. And this is great news, but as we think about this, we see that there's still a problem. The problem is if there's still sin in the world, there's gonna be enmity between people and God, and there is going to be that same enmity between people and other people. Things like hatred and bigotry and prejudice will still exist because sin will still exist. Unless we can just eradicate sin from the entire world, it's these injustices that flow from these sins will never be fully healed until Jesus returns. And we don't know when that is. And this this is the problem. This can be intensely frustrating. Because we want to make our world better. We want to see our world fixed and made whole. But we know that it won't be completely done until Christ comes back. And that could be very frustrating and very defeating. You know, Why would we even work so hard towards these things, towards unity and true justice? Shouldn't we just ignore it and just get on with it because we know it won't ever fully be done? And the answer, of course, is no. We don't just put these things aside. Because we have the promise. And the promise for us is this, that today's troubles are achieving a future glory. Look at verse 16. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For the light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In the context here, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he's talking about the fragility of life and the troubles of life, particularly with the human body, that the human body, it's frustrating because our bodies break down, it's described like a tent, it's just a temporary shelter, and we know that God has created us for a permanent home, a permanent body that will not decay and deteriorate, a perfect life with him in heaven. And God made us for that purpose. But just because this life is temporary doesn't mean it's unimportant. That the way we live our lives and what we do with our bodies now are intensely uh, and, and immensely important. And he's talking about the physical body, but the principle here is for all of life, that there is frustration in all of life in the physical life. And we look at verses like Romans 8, where all of creation is frustrated by sin in awaiting this redemption, but it's not unimportant what we do now. Look at verse 9. He says, We make it our goal to please Christ, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what, has been, uh, what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now that's a difficult verse because if you're a Christian, you say, wait a minute, I have to stand before judgment and I'm going to receive based on what I've done, good or bad. I thought that when I go to the judgment, I just get a free pass because I've received God's grace. I've received his forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's very true. You see, this this judgment in in our good deeds that we have done or not done are not the basis of our salvation. The basis of our salvation is is the atoning work of Jesus Christ, what he accomplished on that cross. It's not the basis of our salvation, but these things are the evidence of our salvation. So the judge is standing there and saying, you know, on what basis are you justified? Are you saved? And we say, we are, the the basis is only the blood of Jesus Christ. But then the judge, judge says, what evidence do you have that you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? And it's the things we do. It's a life of action that has been a life that has been changed by God's grace. And what evidence is the judge looking for? Jesus has told us. He said, when this judgment happens in Matthew chapter 25, he said, This is the basis on which you will be judged. And he describes really it's acts of love and care shown to the hungry, the thirsty, the poor, the sick. The the stranger, the prisoner, and perhaps today we might use words like uh, poverty, care, criminal justice, immigration. And you'll notice that the actions that Jesus is describing are—it's not a, a statement; it's not just a one-time gesture. But it's it's loving actions that are done over time. These are things that may not make the news. But acts of love to people in need. These are the kind of things that you might do and and feel frustrated by the lack of progress i was talking with uh, someone in our church recently who volunteers with the merrimack valley dream center and this person said to me she said look we, we go out there every week and we give food to people and we've given them clothing and we've prayed for them and we've we try to care for them but it feels like nothing is changing like all these good works that we're doing there they're not accomplishing anything i don't see any real change But the promise for us is this, that the frustrations of today and the grief and the sadness that we feel with the state of our world today, as we walk by faith, we know that God is achieving a future glory for us so that we can press on and do these good works of loving God and loving our neighbors, knowing that God, even if we can't see it, that God is achieving a glory, a goodness through it so we don't lose heart. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how we give give ourselves to the labors of the Lord, that that our labor in the Lord is not in vain, that we can give ourselves fully to it, even if it feels frustrating, that we can continue to do the good things that God has called us to do because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever progress we make, whatever progress we don't make or we don't see, we still give ourselves fully to this work. So that brings us to the plan. What is it we are to do? And it's right here in verse 18. It says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The, the small steps that you take, that we are accomplishing together, is it, it's, it may not be something that you can see, but we take them. And you can't see the future glory, but we know that God is bringing it about by faith. And we say, well, okay, I can do these good actions, but I want to do more. And you can do more. But we want to make sure that the steps that we take are not just doing one more thing to make yourself feel better, but genuine acts of love that care for and serve our neighbors. And we continue on with these actions. Some of these actions might be as simple as prayer. Gathering together to pray, to seek God's wisdom, to seek God's healing, to seek unity in our community and in our nation and in our world. So we pray to God. The action might just be speaking out. And there's so many different ways that you can speak out about the things that you are passionate about. But as we speak out, we must always proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We must speak the name of Jesus Christ because he is the one who can truly forgive. He is, the true, he is truly the one who can take a heart of sin and turn it into a heart of genuine love and compassion for others. Apart from our faith, you cannot we cannot just drift into righteousness. And you can't just look to science and nature and understand human rights. You, you, you just don't get there. We look at the natural world and we, see, we don't see equality of all people. We see survival of the fittest. We see that the strong survive and the weak die. But in faith, we look at every human being and we say every human is created in the the image of God and therefore their life is sacred and their life is precious to God. It is the eyes of faith. And our world needs the eyes of faith that we can see all people beautiful and created in the image of God. And as we speak out, we need to remember that racism is antithetical to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ, because the good news of Jesus Christ is I could do nothing to save myself. There is nothing good in me that I bring to God, only his grace. And that's the same for me and any person on this earth. So I am not superior to anyone else. The cross levels the ground. We all stand on the same ground before the cross of Jesus Christ. So we pray, we speak out, we listen. Perhaps more important than speaking out is listening to voices, hearing people's hurts, learning, not just in your news feed and on your social media, but reading books and having conversations with people and learning from people whose backgrounds are different than yours, whose lives are, are, whose experiences are not the same as yours. So we pray, we speak, we listen, and we act, and we continue to act. Even the small steps, the small acts of love, the small acts of mercy. And you'll notice today I'm not coming to you with a five-step action plan of how we're going to fix the world. And yes, we can do more, and yes, we should do more, and we will do better. But not just a a knee-jerk reaction, but a a prayerful response, a loving response that's going to be over time because we are in this for the long haul. The steps that were made in the 1800s the steps that were made in the 1900s, our story today, we are in it for the long haul. And just because we don't see the end from the beginning, we know God does. It doesn't mean that God is not working. We just will have, we will be people of faith so that we don't just fall into frustration or despair. So do not lose heart, Free Christian Church. We need to speak words of faith in times of difficulty. We need to take action of faith. If we only speak words of frustration and pain and sadness, we will grow weary and we will lose heart. But the promise we claim today is that our today's troubles are achieving a future glory that God is bringing about. And it outweighs all the trouble So we press on, we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, trusting God to lead us, his people, to be agents of his love and his mercy and messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we pray, our prayer this morning is that you would heal our world and you have provided everything we need for our healing. It was accomplished on the cross of Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, taking on the sin of the world and giving us his righteousness. Lord, now as recipients of that grace, prompt us to to speak the words that you are calling us to speak. Lord, give us ears to listen well to others and prompt us to the actions that you are calling us to act, Lord. And may it be for your glory above all else and for the good of our world. We commit it all to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.